bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, March 10th, 2020. In today's podcast, I'm going to discuss the state caps for allocating low-income housing tax credits and productivity bonds for the year 2020. This is based on recently released population figures. I'll also share an encouraging co-sponsor update on the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act. And then I'll wrap up with some news on energy extenders and some state-level updates from California and Wisconsin. If you're ready, let's get started. The affordable housing community is going to be pleased to learn that there will be slightly more low-income housing tax credit and private activity bond allocation available in 2020. This as compared to 2019. This is according to calculations that we've made at Novogratic based on population figures released by the IRS last week. More allocation authority is naturally good news because it generates more tax credit equity to fund more affordable rental housing. Now, as you know, the low-income housing tax credit and productivity bond limits are based on population. In order to make these calculations, the IRS annually publishes population figures for all 50 states, as well as the District of Columbia and U.S. territories. And then states and District of Columbia and the U.S. territories use these population figures to calculate how much low-income housing tax credit and private activity bond allocation they're going to get for that calendar year. Now this year, the low-income housing tax credit ceiling for each state is based on the greater of $2.81 multiplied by the state population, or about $3.2 million. Now nationally, low-income housing tax credit allocation authority is going to be $953 million, or $9.53 billion over the 10-year credit stream because the credit, of course, is taken over 10 years. That is a $22 million increase from the annual amount last year. Now for private activity bonds, the state ceiling in 2020 is the greater of $105 multiplied by the state population, or $322.8 million. Now there will be about $38 billion in new private activity bond allocation authority available nationwide this year. This represents an increase of about $200 million over last year. Now, taking a closer look at the population figures, the most populous states remain, in order, California, Texas, Florida, and New York. Now, California will receive $111.1 million in local housing tax credit authority. Texas will be second most at $81.5 million, followed by Florida, who will get about $60.4 million, and New York will get about $54.7 million. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the small state minimum for the local housing tax credit is $3.2 million. Eight states, the District of Columbia, and four U.S. territories will receive the small state minimum. Those will, by the way, be the same 13 entities that received the small state minimum last year. Overall, the national population did increase by about 1 million people. That's a 0.3% year-over-year gain. You might be wondering, how does that 0.3% year-over-year gain compare to prior years? Well, it's much less. By comparison, the average annual growth rate in the U.S. from 2015 through 2019 was nearly 0.7%. 
with the lowest growth rate in that period being 0.4% and the high being 0.9%. So as you can see, 0.3% growth is comparatively small. Now while the aggregate national population increased, 17 states actually lost population in 2019. And unfortunately, 12 of those 17 states that have a decreasing population will also see a decrease in private activity bonds this year because their population puts them above the small state minimum. However, the silver lining is that all 17 states that lost population will see an increase in their long-closing tax rate allocation. And that is thanks to a provision in the fiscal year 2018 Omnibus Appropriations Bill. The Omnibus Bill provides a baseline 12.5% increase in long-closing tax rate allocations for 2018 through 2021. And according, by the way, to Novogratz estimates, that temporary 12.5% increase will lead to an additional 28,400 affordable homes over 2018 through 2027 as compared to previous law. Now, you can read more about the population figures and Novogratz projections of future 9% local housing tax allocations on my notes from Novogratz blog. I'll tweet the link. Let's stay on the topic of tax credits and affordable housing for a moment, as I want to share a brief update on legislation that would greatly enhance and expand the low-income housing tax credit. Now I'm talking, of course, about the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act. This legislation would dramatically increase funding for affordable rental housing. The bill is bipartisan and bicameral, and in the House, we're very close to having a majority of members as sponsors. At the time of this recording, the House bill has 217 co-sponsors. That's one sponsor, one co-sponsor away from having a majority of 218. Now reaching a majority milestone will hopefully help create more momentum for remaining members of the House to co-sponsor. But much more importantly, this majority milestone should further encourage congressional leaders to pass significant parts of the bill, if not the bill entirely. Now, as a reminder, the House bill's lead sponsors are Democrat Suzanne Delbeni of Washington, Republican Kenny Marchant of Texas, Democrat Don Beyer of Virginia, and Republican Jackie Walorski of Indiana. In case you're wondering about the other chamber of Congress, the Senate version of the bill currently has 38 co-sponsors. Lead Senate sponsors are Democrat Maria Cantwell of Washington, Republican Johnny Isaacson of Georgia, Senate Finance Committee Ranking Member Ron Wyden of Oregon, and Republican Todd Young of Indiana. Now I should note that Senator Isaacson has resigned from Congress. He resigned at the end of December, but he does remain on the list of sponsors. The Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act would provide a 50% increase in per capita and state, small state minimum allocations. The Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act would also create a permanent minimum 4% low income housing tax credit percentage. The 50% cap increase and the minimum 4% credit percentage are the two headline provisions that have been retained from other versions of the bill introduced in previous sessions of Congress. Now, two new provisions to the current bill would provide a 30% basis boost for rural areas as well as expand taxes and bond recycling. 
Now those are just some of the many provisions in the comprehensive legislation. And like most tax bills, the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act will not likely be considered by the tax writing committees on its own. More likely, the bill or provisions from it will be added to tax legislative vehicles. I'll keep you posted on the progress of this legislation in future podcast episodes and periodically on Twitter. Let's turn now to some other news coming out of Washington, D.C. Most notably, the top Democrat on the Senate's tax writing committee, the Senate Finance Committee, filed an amendment to an energy bill that's pending on the Senate floor. The amendment would extend for three years the production tax credit and investment tax credit for wind, solar, and other types of renewable energy. Now, in addition to the ITC and PTC extensions, the amendment would also expand the investment tax credit to include standalone energy storage, think batteries. It would permanently extend the Section 179 Cap D deduction for energy efficient commercial multifamily properties. And it would update the Section 45L credit for energy efficient homes through the year 2022. Senate Finance Committee Ranking Member Ron Wyden introduced the amendment to the American Energy Innovation Act. Now, both the bill and the amendment are still pending. But Senator Wyden's demonstrated support for energy incentives is worth noting as lawmakers consider extenders this year. Now, we will discuss this and other language, legislative language, at our Renewable Energy Conference that we're holding in May in St. Louis. I'll tweet out a link to register for the conference in the event that you're interested in joining us. Next, I have a few state-level updates, one from California dealing with locals and tax tax and bonds, the other from Wisconsin dealing with opportunity zones. So starting with California, the California Tax Allocation Committee, or TCAC, recommends that all developers applying for 4% locals and tax credits also apply now for taxes and bonds. In California, tax credits are allocated by TCAC, and tax-exempt bonds are allocated by the California Debt Limit Allocation Committee, or CIDLAC. In the past, developers could only apply for tax and bonds after a tax credit award was made. However, California bonds are being allocated under a competitive system this year with fewer application cycles, which means 4% plus credit applicants applying in competitive rounds do not have the option to wait until after an award. It's because TCAC awarded projects are required to receive a bond allocation within 90 days of receiving a tax credit reservation. TCAC now recommends that all developers apply for a bond allocation by April 17th if they're going to apply for the June 17th tax credit award date. Developers who apply for bonds by April 17th would be able to get a bond allocation July 15th, which would meet the 90-day issuance requirement. The next bond allocation date is in October, which is beyond a 90-day window from June. Well, April 17th is a little over a month from now, so if you need help with your California bond application, please reach out to an Evergrande partner near you. We have California offices in Long Beach, San Francisco, Walnut Creek, and Petaluma. Now, while not related to affordable housing or low housing tax credits, I did want to share some news from California from the Assembly, from the legislative side. A bill was introduced in the California Assembly to create a state-level New Marcus tax credit. If enacted, AB 3101, the bill, would help incent 
private investment in communities of need across California. Under the bill, the California New Markets Tax Credit would function in modified conformity with the federal New Markets Tax Credit. The incentive would have a statewide cap of $100 million for taxpayer years 2021 through 2025, subject to future appropriations. And if you're interested in learning more about community development incentives in California or in other states, I do encourage you to contact a Novogratic partner for more information. I'll include a link to Novogratic's services page in today's show notes. Now, let's move over to the state of Wisconsin, where we have some good news on enacted legislation regarding community development. This enacted legislation could help drive opportunities on investments in the state of Wisconsin. Under this new law, for state tax purposes, Wisconsin will now allow double the capital gain exclusion that's otherwise available for federal income tax purposes for investing in opportunity zones. There is a catch, though. The investments of capital gains must be in a Wisconsin Qualified Opportunity Fund. A Wisconsin Qualified Opportunity Fund is a fund that holds at least 90% of its assets in Wisconsin Opportunity Zones businesses. Now, we've been tracking this bill on the podcast since it was introduced last October. It's great to see the incentive finally enacted. Now, if you'd like to learn more about state incentives that can be layered with federal Opportunity Zones, I encourage you to reach out to my partner, John Shreddy. You can also learn more about state-level incentives during the Novogratic Opportunity Zones Conference being held in Long Beach, California at the end of next month. California has over 800 Opportunity Zones with 19 census tracts located in the city of Long Beach. Our conference is going to be held April 23rd and 24th with some pre-conference events on Wednesday, April 22nd. We're going to have some great speakers at the event including a keynote address by Dan Kowalski, who is counselor to Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. And we also have a keynote from Representative Jimmy Gomez from California. He is a member of the Tax Writing House Ways and Means Committee. If you haven't registered yet, I do recommend you register today to save your spot. I'll include a registration link in today's show notes and tweet it out as well. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I do have a quick reminder though, this week, Novogratic is hosting a webinar discussing six keys to securing new markets tax credits for your business. The webinar covers which businesses and investments qualify for new markets tax credit financing, how to find allocation, and more. The webinar is this Thursday, March 12th. You can register through the link in today's show notes. And if you're listening to this after March 12th, don't worry, a recording of the webinar will be available for purchase by March 17th. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.